Welcome to Creative Rising, my friend, a show about what it's really like to run a photography business. I'm Erin Youngren, and on today's show, we are doing a very practical, very information-rich training, and I'm really excited about it. I do love all of the behind the scenes storytelling episodes that we do here at Creative Rising because they are challenging and they're fun and they're really creative. And I feel like those narrative episodes do resonate with so many of you out there. If you're new to the podcast, the episodes I'm talking about are the ones that are like the one that is just before this episode. It's called Parentpreneur. It's the first episode of season two. So after you listen to this, then definitely cue that one up and you are going to love it. Even if you're not a parent, I think you'll still love it. But another episode to check out in case you're not into the whole parent thing is episode 103 in season one called The Battle of the Creative. So those episodes are amazing, but the purpose of this show is to help photographers build life-giving businesses that they absolutely love. So part of that is just sharing really practical information that will help you run a more efficient and thus, I believe, more enjoyable business. So today we are going to be getting into some really nitty gritty practical stuff for you and I'm really looking forward to it. In case you didn't know this, Jeff and I have a free photographer-only Facebook group, and it's an amazing place with lots of really solid photographers. So if you'd like to join, there will be a link in the show notes for you. So go to that link and request to join there. And by the way, we do make sure that everyone in the group is a professional photographer, or at least on their way to becoming one. So that means the community stays really strong. So if that sounds like you, then we would absolutely love to have you in the group. But the reason that I mentioned the Facebook group is that this topic I'm teaching about today has come up quite a bit in that community. Today, I'm going to be walking you through the step-by-step wedding day timeline that Jeff and I use for every wedding that we photograph. This timeline is something that we've built over the last 10 years of shooting weddings. It's been refined and tweaked, and it has been perfected to the point that I trust it completely. We have used this schedule template for hundreds of weddings across our brands. So it is something that I believe that you can totally trust too. Now, since I'm talking you through this, it is helpful to have a visual aid. So in the show notes, there is a link to download this exact wedding day timeline that I'm going to walk you through. So make sure to grab that either just after you listen to this episode. You don't need it in front of you to understand this episode by any means. But if you do feel like you're going to forget to do it, then feel free to pause and go grab it now. And that template that you can download is the exact same schedule that we use in our business. And you can use it and modify it for your own purposes in your own business too. So make sure to go grab that. All right, before we get into the nitty gritty details of the actual timeline, there are two things I want to mention. And this is so that you understand where we're coming from with how we've set this whole timeline up, the reasons behind the way that the timeline is. The first thing is that Jeff and I are huge believers in preparation when it comes to weddings. So when it comes to the rest of our life, I like to think that we're pretty chill and that we go with the flow. But when it comes to weddings, I never want to feel like we're just winging it, okay? There is too much at stake for me 
to feel like I haven't thought through everything as much as possible. Now, that being said, it is a wedding, right? There will always be something that goes wrong or something that doesn't go exactly as planned. So can we adjust and change and make game time decisions? Of course, yes, we do all the time. So when it comes to our weddings, Jeff and I live and breathe by the saying, spontaneity is the reward of preparation. Okay, I love that. I'm gonna say that one more time because I think it's so awesome. Spontaneity is the reward of preparation. So our goal is to walk into any one of our wedding days and know exactly when things are going to happen, where we're going to photograph everything, what family portraits are going to be taken, and everything that can be thought through has already been thought through. Because then we feel like we can spend our mental energy on being present in the moments because we've done all of the thinking ahead of time. So we feel like we produce much better photographs when we feel prepared. And the same is true for our couples. We will actually tell our couples that saying when we sit down with them in client meetings. We'll tell them spontaneity is the reward of preparation and our dreamies love it. Our dream clients are the kind of couples that want to know that everything is being thought of. So we actually talk to them about how much planning we do ahead of time and that we actually find Not a lot of other photographers do the kind of planning that we do, but I found that so many couples appreciate that about us, okay? We present it as a service. And so by using the wedding day timeline that I'm gonna walk through today and by downloading it and using it in your business, you will be giving your couples a huge service as well. So that's the first thing. Spontaneity is the reward of preparation, The second thing I want to mention about our wedding day timeline is that we want to create a schedule that allows for breathing room. That way the day doesn't feel like a chaotic rush from one thing to the next. That's not a fun day for the couple or for us. Okay, That is a recipe for a stressed out bride that won't remember anything that happened. Part of our brand promise with the Youngerins and with Clovenkin What makes us different than other photographers is that we believe so heavily in helping our couples savor on the wedding day. So we actively step in throughout the day and we help our couples slow down, we help them pause, and we help them take in everything that's happening around them. This means that they will remember so much more of their day than they ever thought possible. But we cannot do that unless we set ourselves up for that in the schedule. So our wedding timeline is crucial to making sure that we deliver on this promise and that we help our couples have a relaxed and enjoyable day. Part of this whole thing is that Jeff and I actually start our coverage at 10 hours of time, and that's more than what most photographers do, right? Most photographers are starting at six hours or eight hours. And it was a number of years back that we found that whenever we did eight hours of time, We just had a really hard time fitting in everything that needed to get fit into the wedding. And we were always having to fight our couples to get them to hire us for more coverage on the day. So instead, we realized that 10 hours is our sweet spot. That's when we feel like we get the best schedule, we produce the best work, and we don't have to constantly bug our couples to pay for more coverage. We simply raised our prices and we included longer coverage and we made it a huge selling point. 
And again, our dreamies love it. We shoot very traditional black tie ballroom weddings, and it's not unusual for the ceremony to take place in a church and the reception to happen at a location that's a resort elsewhere. And so they usually require more hours to begin with. So think about your own coverage. Are you starting at eight hours of time simply because that's what everyone else around you is doing? If you are, that is frankly a terrible reason because it might not actually be ideal for how you want to shoot and it might not be ideal for the kinds of weddings that you most want to book. As a Creative Rising listener, I mean, you know that I teach all the time about knowing who your ideal client is, so much so that I created our paid program, Discover Your Ideal Client, and it teaches you who your perfect clients are, the ones that are absolutely ideal for you. And it's crazy how knowing who your ideal client is not only informs your branding and your website and your marketing, but it also informs things like this conversation right here, your pricing, your coverage times, and something as simple as a wedding day timeline. This is the perfect example of why it is so, so important to know your ideal client. If you want to learn more about your ideal client and figure out who the perfect brides and the perfect weddings are for you, then the best way to do that is to listen to the very first episode of this entire podcast. It's episode 101, How We Built a Dreamy Business. And then also take our free training over at dreamyclass.com. It's a one-hour training where I walk you through the three-step process to discovering your unique ideal client. You'll also learn about our paid course in that free training, so you can check that out too. Again, that's at dreamyclass.com, and dreamy is spelled with an I-E, so it's D-R-E-A-M-I-E class.com. All right, it is time to jump into the timeline. I am going to give you a brief overview of the timeline first so you can get an idea of how everything is laid out. And then I'll go into detail in each section and I'll talk through the important reasons that we have for doing the, doing things the way that we do them. In my brief overview, I'm going to do things a little bit different. So I'm actually going to start at the ceremony time and I'm going to work my way out from there. So I'll start the ceremony and go backwards until the getting ready. And then I'll go back to the ceremony and go forward through the cocktail hour and reception. I know it sounds strange, but trust me on this. This is how I build every wedding schedule and it works fabulously. Also, this schedule is the most basic version, so everything is at one location, there's no travel involved, and also this schedule is one with a first look. Once I've explained the schedule with a first look, then I'll explain what we do when we don't have a first look. And lastly, the download of our wedding day schedule also includes our template of our list of family portraits that we use. So I'll be explaining how we generate our list of family portraits so we can make sure we get all of the important photos that our couples love to have, while also keeping the list manageable and under control.
Let's start with our ceremony. This is a 4 p.m. ceremony, which is pretty typical. And so we will want to be finished with all of our photos 30 minutes prior to the ceremony. So that would make 3.30. We want to be done and have our bride and groom tucked away because this is usually when guests are beginning to arrive. Just before that, we have 30 minutes of time that we do our family portraits. So this would be from 3 to 3.30. And we try to do as many immediate family portraits as we can and any extended family photos that the couple is willing to do before the wedding. Then just before that, we schedule 30 minutes for our wedding party photos. So that would be from 2.30 to 3. And so we're doing all the guys and girls all together. And then Jeff and I tag team with doing just the girls and just the guys. And I will explain that in just a minute. Then we have an hour before that that we allow for the first look and our bride and groom portraits. So in this scenario, that would be from 1.30 to 2.30. And then 30 minutes before the first look, we schedule the bride to start putting on her dress. So she has 30 minutes of time to do that. And that gives us a lot of cushion for her to put her dress on and also transition to the first look. 15 minutes before she puts on her dress, we have noted on our schedule a very, very important time. This is the hard stop time for all hair and makeup. I'm going to go into detail with why this is so important, but if you are a wedding photographer and you've ever had the hair and makeup run late, you know how important the hard stop time for hair and makeup is. So that would be at 12.45, 15 minutes before the bride puts her dress on at one o'clock. And then one hour before the bride puts her dress on, that's when we start our coverage time. So we have one hour of time to photograph hair and makeup getting done, all the moments happening, as well as all of the detail photos. So that means that our coverage would begin at noon for a ceremony that is at four o'clock. Now, working our way from the ceremony and forward, if it's a 30-minute ceremony, then it would end at 4.30, and just after the ceremony, we would do any extended family portraits that we will need to do that weren't done before the wedding. And then, because we've done all of our photos beforehand, the couple is welcome to go join the cocktail hour, or if sunset and golden hour is falling during that time, then we'll go take our golden hour portraits and take advantage of that really great light during cocktail hour. If our couple goes and joins cocktail hour, then one of us will go photograph the reception details and the other one of us will go to the cocktail hour to get candid photos of guests and to get photos of the couple mingling with their guests. And then it's time for dinner and the rest of the day after that really isn't up to us. We just have to go by the timeline of the wedding itself. The only thing that we are in charge of at that point is sunset couple portraits. So it depends on when the sun is going down at whatever time of year. And so we note on our schedule the sunset time and when we want to take those photos. So that can then be taken into consideration when they're figuring out what is going to happen when during the reception. And then the final thing that we know on our schedule is when our coverage ends. This is obviously very important, so there's clarity around when our coverage is over and how many hours we are going to be there on the wedding day. All right, that is a brief overview of our basic schedule with a wedding that has a first look. 
So if the wedding doesn't have a first look, then we need to do the bride and the groom portraits separately before the wedding. So we still want to get photos of the bride, the bridesmaids, and the separate family portraits beforehand so that we have less to do after the ceremony. So basically what we do is we take all of that portrait time that happens before the ceremony and we just mix it up differently. So in the first look scenario, the first look happens at 1.30 and then we are photographing until the guests start to arrive at 3.30. So that's a two hour chunk of time. So instead of breaking it up amongst the different kinds of portraits, we do one hour where we photograph the bride, the bridesmaids and the bride's family and then they go and tuck away, and then we do another hour where we photograph the groom, the groomsman, and the groom's family. We really like to do it that way so that we can be able to photograph the bridesmaids, the groomsmen, and the family portraits all in the same location. So that's why we photograph them at separate times. Jeff and I really don't like splitting up and photographing the wedding party at the exact same time, just at different places on the property. One, it's just more logistics with making sure the bride and groom don't see each other. But also that means we have to find two locations for all of those photos, usually at a time before the ceremony when the lighting isn't that great. We'd rather find one beautiful location to photograph everything so that everything goes together, especially in the album later on. We want the wedding party to all feel like it goes together and especially the family portraits because they are probably going to want to combine those in the album and they might put portraits up on their wall and we want them to all feel similar. And then the other difference with this kind of schedule is that we are doing more family portraits after the ceremony. So we'll do their combined family portraits, the combined wedding party, and then their couple portraits. So the couple just, they're not able to go to their cocktail hour. And they're aware of that when we talk about the option with doing a first look or not. Again, go to the show notes and find the link where you will be able to download this wedding day timeline and you will have both of those timelines written out for you and so you can have a really good picture of how everything works. All right, now I'm going to go through in chronological order the first look schedule and go into some more detail about why we do things the way that we do. The first thing that we do is we arrive at the getting ready location with the girls and we schedule an hour of time for that. And so when Jeff and I arrive, we're a husband and wife team. And so we're able to tag team that time. If you're a solo photographer with a second shooter, then I would do a similar feel. I go in the other room and I take her shoes, her jewelry, and all of her details, and I sit down and I photograph those while Jeff is with the girls photographing all of the moments that are occurring. That way we can make sure not to miss anything while also getting all of those really beautiful details. Then at 12.30, halfway in that hour of getting ready time, Jeff will then go and check in with the guys in whatever room that they're getting ready in, and he'll start photographing the groom. At that point, I should be done with the details and I'm able to take over with all the moments and photographing the hair and makeup getting finished. And then there is the most important time of the entire day. You would think that it's a ceremony, but it's definitely not. It is the hard stop time for the hair and makeup. This determines so much, right? If you've ever photographed a wedding, you know that if the hair and makeup runs late, 
then everything else will run late. All of your photos will become so much more stressful if you lose your photo time to the hair and makeup. In the first years of our business, Jeff and I ran into a lot of problems with this. We just found that hair and makeup artists were running late more often than not, and it was so stressful for us, and we could not figure out what was going on. And we finally realized that it wasn't just one hair and makeup artist that was running late all the time. It was all of them. And so we realized that we needed to take responsibility and deliver better communication to hair and makeup artists and to the bride. So what we discovered was happening is that on our timelines, we were telling our brides, here's the time for the first look. And the hair and makeup artist would ask the bride, when are photos starting? And so they would say, well, here's when the first look is happening. And so the hair and makeup hard stop time would be the time of the first look. Well, then we all know there's no time for the bride to put on her dress. There's no time to walk to the location for the first look. And all of a sudden, we're super late because we had to do all of these things just to get to the first look. So that was when we started putting this hard stop time on our wedding day timelines. And it's actually bolded on the timeline. So it is impossible to miss. And another really important thing is that we set that hard stop time as 15 minutes before we are going to start putting on her dress. That gives us a little bit of cushion just in case the bride wants any additional touch-ups or anything runs late with the hair and makeup, we have a little bit of time there to work with. Also, that means the bride, if she's finished right on time or early, that means she gets to go to the bathroom or have a snack or transition from the hair and makeup into celebrating with her girls and going into this really big moment of putting on her dress. Also, another really important point with the hair and makeup hard stop time is that this is for everybody, not just the bride. So this is for the mother of the bride, all of the bridesmaids, the mother of the groom, basically anyone that is going to be present for the bride putting on her dress, they need to be finished at that time. So what happens a lot of times if we don't communicate this is that the bride will be finished, but then we go to put on her dress and all the bridesmaids have curlers in their hair or her mom is zipping up her dress, but she's wearing sweatpants because she didn't know that she needed to be ready. So In our template emails that we send, when we send them the first draft of their timeline, we have several things that we note in that email to make sure that communication is really clear. And these emails are included in our email template collections that you can get in our shop. So those are available to you if you would like to get those templates. But one of the most important things that we say in that template is that your mother, if she's going to help you put on your dress, she needs to be ready at the same time as the bride. That means that we will not be running late waiting for mom to get ready so that she can look and feel amazing while she's helping her daughter get dressed on her wedding day. We found that we've had to be so clear about this communication because it's not something that anyone is thinking of outside of photography. Another reason why we make sure that all hair and makeup is finished before the bride puts on her dress is that 
there are plenty of times when we've walked into a getting ready room and the hair and makeup artists are set up in the most beautiful light in the whole room, which they should be. If they're good hair and makeup artists, they need wonderful light to do really beautiful makeup. And so they are probably going to be set up in the spot where you are probably going to want to photograph the bride putting on her dress, especially if the getting ready room is in close quarters. So by having that hard stop time 15 minutes before she puts on her dress, that gives the hair and makeup artist a chance to finish and also clean up and move so that you have the most beautiful spot available to you to get great photos of her putting on her dress. After the hair and makeup hard stop time, then we have all of the bridesmaids get in their dresses and look really beautiful. We make sure mom is all dressed and ready to go. And then we spend the next 30 minutes putting the bride's dress on. And we make sure that we always have that 30 minutes on the schedule because we wanna give the bride enough time to really take in all the moments. We don't want to rush that process because it is a big deal. It's when everything comes together for the first time. Then it's time to head out for the first look. And again, we schedule one hour of time for the first look and the bride and groom portraits. The reason we do a full hour, one is because we just love portraits and we wanna give ourselves enough time for that, but also it's another area of cushion. So sometimes things run late with getting ready. And so we can cut into that first look time if we need to, and we can take their portraits a little bit faster and then move on to the wedding party. And that's because we have time after the cocktail hour, and we also have our sunset portraits later on, so we know that we're gonna get portraits later if we need them. Also, we are really big with allowing our couples enough time during the first look that they don't feel rushed. So we tell our couples that during the first look, you can take two minutes of time to be with each other or you can take 20 minutes. And we're serious about that. If our couple wants to spend 20 minutes of time hanging out with each other and taking it all in, we will 100% allow them to do that. And we will not step in until they are ready. So we want to allow for plenty of time for that really, really special moment. Honestly, portraits are important. Wedding party is important. Family photos are incredibly important. But that first look moment is irreplaceable. And so we don't want to rush that. After the first look in the bride and groom portraits, then we do the wedding party portraits. And again, we allow 30 minutes for that. And 30 minutes of time really seems to be the perfect amount of time for us, no matter the size of the wedding party, whether they're big or small. With the wedding party portraits, how Jeff and I break that up is that we will start with doing the whole wedding party all together. One of us will shoot the main angle and the other one of us will shoot some side fun angles and candids of the wedding party. And then Jeff will take the guys over to the side and he'll do individual portraits with the groom and each one of his guys. And he'll do details of the suits and ties and boutonnieres and some editorial stuff of them. And I'll be with the girls and I will do the main setup of the girls. And then once we're done, we'll switch and I'll do the guys in the same location 
the full setup of the group of them. And then he'll do the bride with each one of our girls in the same spot that he did the groom. That way, we all of our images are very consistent and they don't feel like they were taken in multiple places and all these different backdrops. If you're a solo photographer shooting with a second photographer, I would recommend the same setup. Have one of you do the main photo of the wedding party and then the other one off to the side doing the individual portraits. I feel like it makes things very efficient and really easy on the couple and really easy on us. After the wedding party portraits, then we jump into the family. And we allow 30 minutes for this as well. And so the main thing with the family portraits, guys, is that you just need to have a list of family portraits prepared. If you've been in our photographer Facebook group for any amount of time, you know that we talk about this a lot. We are huge believers in serving our couples by being prepared with a list of family portraits. The worst thing that you can do is to ask your couple in the middle of the wedding day, what pictures do you want with family? And it's been shocking how many couples we've sat down with in client meetings and we've mentioned that we will put together a family portrait list for them. And they've said, oh my gosh, we loved our sister's photographer. She did an amazing job. She was wonderful, created beautiful photos, was super personal. But the family portraits were a nightmare. And that is the reason that we are not hiring her for our wedding. So that other photographer has lost out on income and referrals only because of the family portrait time. Not because they missed photos, not because they didn't take good photos, but because they weren't prepared and it was too stressful on the couple. So having a list of family portraits is that important. And so I really don't want you to miss out on future business because you're not coming prepared with a list ahead of time. So in the download, we have our list of our typical setups that we do for every couple. So that will help tremendously in helping you put together a list. So what the process looks like with generating the family portrait list and as well as gathering the information we need for the schedule is that our system, Tave, automatically sends out a couple of questionnaires six to nine months before the wedding day. And one of the questionnaires asks for very basic information about the wedding. So the time of the ceremony, the length of the ceremony the time of the grand entrance to the reception, so we know how long the cocktail hour is going to be, and the locations of the ceremony and reception and the location of the getting ready. Those are really the things that we absolutely need to know in order to create a wedding photography schedule. And the second questionnaire asks for very basic information about their families. So we ask for the names of their immediate family members, and then there's a space for them to fill in any extended family portraits that they might want. And so we take the names of their family members and we fill out the most typical immediate family setups that most everybody wants. So bride with their mom, bride with their dad, bride with both parents, bride with immediate family, and so forth. And so we put together that list of family portraits for them. We do not ask them, what setups do you want? Because they don't know. They've never done this before. But you as the photographer, you do know. And so the more that you can provide information for them, the better, the more that they feel taken care of. And so once we fill out our list of family portraits, we send it to the couple and we say, 
take a look at the list, show it to both of your moms, and let us know if there's anything that you would like to subtract or that you would like to add. And usually people have a couple of modifications, but usually not very much. And so they just really appreciate that we have done all of that work for them and we've helped them figure this out. And then everything just needs to be approved at least a month before the wedding day. And as long as we have everything approved by both moms and the bride and groom, we're good to go. So I can't emphasize that enough. Make sure to have a list of family portraits so that on the wedding day, you can just cross off the list and you can call out people's names and make it just a really, really easy process. Our couples absolutely love how easy their family portraits are. After the family portraits, our goal is to be done with all photos 30 minutes before the ceremony is set to begin because that's when most guests start to arrive is within that 30 minute period. And we also want to give ourselves time to photograph the ceremony setup before guests arrive and they start sitting down. And so that's our hard stop time, 30 minutes before the ceremony to have the bride and groom done with photos and tucked away. After the ceremony, there's only a couple of things left that we are in charge of as far as timeline goes. So immediately after the ceremony, we'll do any extended family portraits that are needed. And then we'll either do golden hour during the cocktail hour or the couple will join the cocktail hour. And then again, we have the sunset photos sometime during the reception. One question that we do get asked from other photographers is that do we still send out a wedding day timeline when we are working with coordinators, particularly full planning coordinators that are creating very, very in-depth schedules? And the answer is absolutely yes, 100%. The key to working with coordinators and sending out your own timeline is that you need to be sending out your timeline as early as you can so that the coordinator can take that information and incorporate it into their own timeline. Coordinators love it when you let them know what you need. They don't know what goes into photos. As experienced as they might be, they simply do not know the kind of time that you would like to have with your couple. The last thing that I want to talk about is travel time. So this is something that can really eat up a lot of time on your wedding day, but it's really important to make sure that you over prepare for any travel time. Always overestimate how much time you're going to need. So. I know that it's a temptation of mine to underestimate travel time because I want to fit everything in on the timeline. So, you know, it's going to take 15 minutes on Google Maps to get from the ceremony to the reception. Well, I really need to give myself 30 minutes because of the time it takes to walk to the cars and get in the car and if there's traffic and then getting out of the car. And so just do yourself a favor and give yourself extra cushion with travel. I am totally guilty of wanting to cut down the travel time on the timeline just to make myself feel like I can fit everything in.
friend, I hope that this was extremely helpful for you. So go take advantage of the download. Download the wedding day timeline that we use and use it in your own business. Again, I trust it completely and you can use it in your own weddings and you can know that you will be able to provide your couples with an amazing experience. Thank you so much for listening to this episode today. I love being able to provide such practical information mixed in with all of our really heartfelt episodes. I would really love to hear from you what it is that you enjoy listening to the most about Creative Rising. What are the things that you really like to learn about? And what are the things that we're not doing that you would really love to learn about? Is there anything in your business that if I could wave a magic wand over your business, what could I help you change? Don't ever hesitate to send me an email at erin at theyoungrins.com or send us a direct message on Instagram at theyoungrins. I read every single message that you guys send and I love them. Also, remember to subscribe to Creative Rising and leave a review. That helps other people find this podcast that can benefit from this amazing information as well. In fact, if you are loving the vibe of Creative Rising, then when you're listening to one of our episodes, take a screenshot and put it on your Instagram stories and write a little note about what it is that you are getting out of the episode. Just make sure to tag me at the younger end so that I can see it because I want to share your stories on my Instagram stories as well. I want to hear what it is that you are loving and getting out of all these episodes that I work so hard on. And so make sure to post those on your stories and tag at the younger ends so that I can see it, I can share it, and I can thank you for the wonderful podcast love. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and I will see you here next time on Creative Rising. Creative Rising.